With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He had his gun, so he just swung it open. I start to notice that, you know, the atmosphere feels a little bit weird. First thing he seen was this six and a half foot tall, broad shoulder, dark hair. That freaked him out. We hadn't talked to her about, like, life and death and what any of that means. She's three years old, you know. So we turned around. Suddenly, there's a whole tree falling across the road. And she was describing to us that, you know, there was a deceased person uh, that she could, she, she could see visually. You're listening to Cryptid Clues, where we tackle the ever-expanding history and mystery of monsters and supernatural madness every Monday and Friday. You can find us at cryptidclues.ca for more information, or even check out exclusive content such as interviews and D&D campaigns at patreon.com slash cryptidclues. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Cryptid Clues, Campfire Clues. I am your host, Taylor, and today we got a ton of Bigfoot stuff we're going to be diving into. But before we get into that, a couple of plugs. You can find us on our website, cryptoclues.ca, our social media channels, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, as well as our Patreon, where you can get ad-free early episodes. You can also say hi or send us an email at cryptoclues at gmail.com. But without further ado, let's get into this. So our first multitude of sightings comes from an individual I spoke to recently, and now I'm going to basically quote the experience word for word. And I quote, my Sasquatch sighting. For some context, I'm 21 male, and was about 18 at the time of the sighting. And looking at working in ecology and wildlife management for indigenous nations, I'm an avid hunter and fisherman, grew up on a ranch in southern Alberta. I've seen a lot of things. This was a first. I currently live in Port Coquitlam, which is not far from Harrison Lake. Harrison Lake is commonly known as the Sasquatch hotspot of North America, and as such, there's been many sightings in this area of British Columbia. It was March 17th, 2020, at around 8am, and I was out for a drive from Port Coquitlam to Manning Provincial Park. I decided to take a small detour near Stave Lake, a slightly smaller lake not too far from Harrison, and the power center, dam, beside it. I was driving alongside the floodplains on the way up and I slowed down when I saw what looked like a bear sitting down, eating grass. We don't have grizzlies in the area and haven't for decades, but I could see the usual silver-tipped look they usually have. We only have black bears, so I was curious. 
I stopped the car, sat on the hood, and watched it for a little bit. Grabbed a pair of binoculars and looked at it from about 100 meters off. It wasn't a grizzly. It stood up, turned its whole body around, and looked at me. The proportions were off. Arms were too long, torso too wide. It had no neck. And the head looked similar to a gorilla's, but not quite. It had these large eyes and a wide nose, sort of like a person's, but again, not quite. I got in my car and got out of there immediately, but if I had to guess, it was about seven and a half, eight feet tall, three and a half, four feet wide, and probably about 600 pounds or so. I've told my grandmother about it and have mentioned it in one or two Sasquatch groups, but that's about all. I've done a trace sketch over an existing piece of Sasquatch art I'd found to replicate what I saw and can show the location of the floodplains." End quote. This sketch I'm actually going to post on our blog on our website so you can actually see and reference part of this encounter. Now I followed up a little bit more and this gentleman also shared experiences his grandfather actually went through as well. And I quote, First one was in the late 60s. Apparently they were fighting a pretty nasty brush blaze that went from open grassland to dense forest. He was cutting a fire break at the start of the forest to keep it from jumping with his crew at about 5 in the morning. Come 5.30, he saw something run like hell, on two legs, with something under its arm. Through the smoke on the grassland side, it hit the fire break, bolted into the clearing, and disappeared into the trees. One of the workers closer to it said it was carrying a deer, and that it was a Sasquatch. Everyone kept working, and eventually the fire got put out. He always said they couldn't get track casts, and that he really regretted that. Second was him out hunting with a buddy from his crew in the mid-70s. He said he was out just after the start of shooting light, buggling for elk. Said he saw what looked like a man walk down the ridge from about 800 meters to 400 meters off. He quickly realized it wasn't a fellow hunter when it hit the bottom of the small valley and it looked up his way. It was massive. Apparently nine and a half feet tall was his guess. Black fur, lean and lanky, like Wilt Chamberlain, but heavier, he used to say. Then it just ran off, sprinted, full speed into a stand of trees. End quote. I always love when we get encounters and we can talk about experiences that happened in those earlier days because so many, so many of our family members and relatives that would have been more immersed in the woods because technology wasn't a prominent thing back then. So people were out, they were hiking, they were hunting, they were exploring the wilderness and these things were much more frequent back then. And a lot of these stories, I feel like they die with our, our relatives and it's such a shame. And do I blame them? No, because the amount of ridicule and the notions and the looks you get be written off basically from society so they keep these to themselves they don't share these experiences sometimes again not even with family or family just disregards them too and it's just a, such a shame such a shame because there's so much evidence and information we can learn by listening to our older relatives that have experienced these things now i wanted to speak more to the harrison area being only a matter of hours away by car myself from where I currently reside, I've been there a few times, unfortunately mostly just as a passerby. However, should you stick around and enjoy the sights and the location, you can venture into their local Sasquatch Museum where you see castings of huge footprints and a variety of other purchasable knickknacks that are Sasquatch related. Now, like it was mentioned before, 
Harrison is a significant Bigfoot sighting spot. And once you look at the map between both Harrison Lake and Stave Lake, it's complete wilderness. And coincidentally, when you progress north, you'll eventually come to a provincial park. Granted, it's a little more west than directly north, but following the bearing of Harrison Lake at that tip, it'll send you on your way into this park. And it's the parks that I feel have the most prominent things occurring. It's something I've done a few episodes on, locations, national parks, again, underground highways connecting these national parks. But particularly in this one instance, back in 2014, there's a video recording of a possible Sasquatch sighting near Squamish, British Columbia. Now, this was published on local news media websites. The video basically shows a black dot-like figure progressing up a slope of a mountain that's covered in snow. You can clearly tell in the video that this thing is mobile and moving up the mountain, with suggestions of it being a bear walking upright, or a straight-up staged scenario, regardless. I don't think it is staged, and as for it being a bear, I think it's just as unlikely. But I wanted to mention this encounter, again, actually the footage is available online as well, by the way, if you want to view it for yourself. Uh, and I will toss it into our blog additionally, but I digress. This encounter though, it takes place along the Tantalus mountain range in British Columbia. And of course, of all the mountain ranges that we have, this one happens to be next to none other than Mount Garibaldi. And Mount Garibaldi is of course associated with the provincial park I mentioned prior, the Garibaldi Provincial Park. So now we have another case surrounding this provincial park's border of a Sasquatch sighting. Now, I can only guess what might happen should one venture further inwards towards more densely wooded areas of this park. However, to conclude this part of the episode, again, along the furthest edges beyond this provincial park and east of Harrison Hot Springs is a community of Ruby Creek, where a young girl was playing outside in the garden, and all of a sudden, an ape-like creature had reportedly approached her. According to the local papers at the time, the girl had screamed out for help, and her mother came running over, spotted this creature, just in time though to grab her daughter and dart towards a nearby bush with her other children. The papers reported this as being a huge bear that left behind paw prints the size of a newborn baby with five feet between strides. And so began a plethora of Bigfoot sightings in the Ruby Creek area. These occurred prominently throughout the 1940s and 1950s. And before we continue on, I'm just going to jump to a quick ad break, and we will be right back. And we're back. So, following up on the location of Port Coquitlam, I spoke to someone who encountered an interesting, maybe not Bigfoot sighting, well, no sighting, maybe not Bigfoot related, but it's still intriguing of a situation nonetheless that could very well be attached to it. And I quote, North of Lytton, about 40 minutes from Lillooet, I noticed something strange. A deer that had probably been dead for two days, maybe less due to desiccation of the roughly 35 degrees Celsius heat, on the side of the road. Not really a strange occurrence, but I gave it a look. I walk over to it and this thing was mangled. Wasn't a ton of meat left, but whatever hunted it and ate it absolutely rearranged it. No claw or bite marks, and no back legs, like no spine past the end of the ribcage broken neck, gutted like a fish. Here's the weird part though. This thing got dragged from the open roadside where it looks like it died, blood spatter, possible signs of a struggle, to the tall grass across the road. The 
grass is tamped down around the kill, dry blood splattered everywhere, it doesn't rain much in the canyon, like, at all. I quickly decided to leave. Might have been a Sasquatch, maybe not, but that's strange as hell to me. Still want to figure that out. End quote. Now, I like this because this kind of goes hand in hand again with the deer we mentioned earlier when the grandfather was working with the fire and something just darts out of the woods holding this deer under its arm. Like, we know... Again, not scientifically proven, but we know based on reports and encounters that they eat both meat and they eat vegetation that they're most likely are omnivores like ourselves. And deer seem to be the prominent source of food for these things. Now, when you look at something like this, it sounds like it's a true horror movie kind of setting with this thing totally be just debacled apart and rearranged. It doesn't sound like a pleasant sight to see. But there is something peculiar going on with that. And again, people do dump things around, but if you take a close analysis of the area, obviously they couldn't detect any footprints, but you can see where the ground is trampled, looks like a struggle. I don't know of any humans that are wrestling and wrangling a deer just to like rip it apart and just have blood go everywhere out in the bush. That seems a little odd. And then if it was a bear, I think a bear would kind of leave different components of evidence, especially when you examine the body. And through their examination, there was no claw or bite marks. And bears, you know, they can swat at you and just gut you open with their claws. And those, when a bear bites you, I mean, not that I'm speaking from experience, but I've seen injuries from bear attacks, and it is not pretty. It's it's pretty it's pretty potent, and it is very recognizable as well. But uh, I digress. Those are my thoughts. Uh, concluding on that. Moving on, however, to our next encounter. This one is interesting. I really, really appreciate this, this submission here. And I quote, I didn't become interested in Bigfoot until a little over a year ago while camping in Cascade, Idaho. I'm originally from Houston, and to be honest, I didn't really grow up hearing much about Bigfoot. The extent of my knowledge of Bigfoot is that it was just a large mythical hairy man in the woods who leaves giant footprints everywhere. Excuse my ignorance, but I was just never into the lore, nor did I ever hear much about it in Houston. I was new to the Pacific Northwest when this incident happened. Anyway, back to the camping trip. It was near Warm Lake. It was past two in the morning. My husband and the couple we went on the trip with had fallen asleep. I couldn't sleep and wanted to look the moonlight over the water. I walked the short path through the trees and saw the moonlight over the lake expanding in front of me. There was an old wooden picnic table right by the water overlooking the lake. I sat on top of it, pulled out my headphones and started gazing onto the lake. That's when I saw it. On the other side of the lake, I saw someone or something standing in the shallow water with the water reaching its shins. It was standing on two legs. I could only see the outline of it. But I remember thinking it looked too big to be a person. I didn't know what it was. I wanted to take a picture, but when I looked down to turn on my phone and access my camera, the screen illuminated my face. I looked up and saw whatever it was running back into the trees, on two legs. It had long arms, and I remember thinking it looked like a primate. I was frightened at this point, and I went back to the tent and kept turning back to the lake expecting to see the thing again but I didn't. Keep in mind, I'm originally from Houston. I'm a city boy through and through. My husband was born and raised in Idaho, which is why my friends and husband all got a good laugh at breakfast when I asked, 
I know we have bears and moose up here, but are there big apes in the woods too? Everyone roared into laughter. No, not unless you saw Bigfoot. I didn't laugh. End quote. Now I will say, while being down south certainly has no shortage of strange occurrences and encounters like aliens and other, other forms of Bigfoot that exist over there, Idaho is like the tip of tips for the Pacific Northwest. And I don't mean like that's the tip of the Pacific Northwest. I, think, I, I mean it's like the tip entering into the Pacific Northwest. Beyond that, towards Oregon and British Columbia, that's when you begin to really enter the realm of Sasquatch, that staple Sasquatch that everyone's so used to seeing. There is a gentleman by the name, however, of Thomas Steenberg. He's heavily invested into the Bigfoot topic, and I was once reading an article he was highlighted in, and he mentioned two very humbling things that really stuck with me, and I quote, I guarantee you, when you enter the woods, you are always being watched. He fingers the pipe at his breast pocket. There are eyes here, and they are on you, end quote. Now this awesome statement, without a doubt, I believe, it's as though someone enters your home. Chances are you always have your eyes on them if they're a complete stranger. You know, you, you don't trust them. And when you look at the Pacific Northwest, in general, that's all of Bigfoot's home. And when we go into the woods, we go in with this mindset that we're going to be leaving. It's the same as if we go to a friend's house. We go in with the mindset that we're going to be leaving at the end of the day and we go back to our own home. The woods are no different. We even I, That also applies when you go out camping. You go out there and you go out camping for a few days or a week and eventually you're just going to leave, pack up and go home. And we always treat it as if we are visitors. Now, if you were to go out there and you immerse yourself as if you are there to stay, you're going to start noticing some very interesting things that unfold. But I digress. The other thing he mentioned as well was, and I quote, Never go anywhere without a camera handy in British Columbia. You never know what you might see at the side of the road. End quote. And that, my friends, could not be more accurate. But finally, to close us out, we've got one more encounter here from a gentleman that actually had gone out camping. And as he puts it, he had pulled in late to his campground when all of a sudden his truck actually started to shake. At this point, he could actually see fingers grasping at his window. All he did was hold on tight and waited for it to eventually pass, which it did. At that point, he then looked out his rear window and he could see this huge upright figure walking away from his truck. Now, it's always interesting when these things are getting close to the vehicles. I've looked into a few encounters where people are sitting in their vehicles and they open their eyes and there's something peeking through the window. And I know that's very much a dogman thing to do. Dogman and cars seem to kind of go hand in hand. That's something Ruben has always, uh, I don't want to say promoted, but always mentioned with me that there's something with cars and dogman. And I feel like that's the case with Bigfoot too. Whether it's a curiosity of, Hey, I can, I can smell or sense that there's a human here, but like there's some a weird disconnect because they can't figure out the car in general. And maybe that same confusion is one of the reasons that leads to so many Sasquatch car sightings because a Bigfoot doesn't smell a person and doesn't know how to interpret it. So they walk out into the road when a car is driving by and maybe they just can't click with that. Kind of like an equivalent to some underwater life that unfortunately might get beached because there's just so much kerfuffle from boat engines just in interfering with frequencies that it messes with them a little bit. And maybe that is the case with Bigfoot. But 
Again, that is just a perspective. I have nothing to back up that claim. <laughs> and I digress. That is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed all of our Bigfoot content we got into. We'll be back next week. Uh, in the coming weeks here, we have, I'm not sure which order this is going to release, but Ruben will be doing a solo episode. Can't wait to get that on the main feeds. And then we have our preview of episode two of Haunt of the Grassman, which will drop on our main feeds because it's just such a great story. We want to keep sharing that adventure with you. And then the remaining remainder of part two and the following episodes will be releasing on our Patreon. But without further ado... That is it. You can find this information on our blog for this episode. Cryptoclues.ca is our website, social media channels, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, as well as our Patreon. We get ad-free early episodes there. And be sure to send us an email if you want to say hi, cryptoclues at gmail.com. So until next time, everyone, take care and stay safe. Thank you.